You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. Flying solo again tonight. We're getting kind of a late recording done on a Sunday night. Um, just wanted to let that game breathe a little. Um, it's about 9.20 Central. Sunday night. Call it five hours after the Vikings put the finishing touches on a 33 to 30 victory over the Buffalo Bills in what many are calling, rightfully so, the game of the year. You will not see a better football game than the one the Vikings and Bills contested on Sunday afternoon. You might see games that are good, games that have tons of momentum swings, games that go back and forth. You will certainly see games that mean more obviously with the playoffs and the Super Bowl uh, still coming down the chute. But if you want to just talk about sheer entertainment value, eye-popping plays, highlight reel moments, and just pendulum swings out the wazoo, you, you won't find a game that was better than the one the Vikings and Bills played on Sunday. 33-30 to 30 win for the Vikings in overtime. Tons of ways to kind of break this game down, try my best to keep it coherent, um, though maybe I shouldn't because the game itself wasn't very co- coherent. It did not make a ton of sense, uh, especially down the stretch. But before we get into the nitty gritty of the game, let's just talk big picture. Like we've been talking about the Vikings in the abstract for, let's say, five months now, right? It's about November. We started this thing in, in July. We weren't sure if they were good. In training camp, the vibes were good. In preseason, the vibes still felt good, but we didn't know what to expect. None of the starters played. And then throughout the 7-1 and start heading into this week, it was like, well, the Vikings continue to find ways to win, but they don't have a signature win. They haven't beaten anyone 
in the upper echelon of the league. In fact, the only win the Vikings had entering this week against a team over 500 was against the Miami Dolphins when they started Skylar Thompson and then had to play Teddy Bridgewater after Tua Tagovailoa suffered his concussion. So the Vikings did not have a signature win on their resume heading into this week, which is why everyone was talking, okay, we're going to learn a ton about the Vikings. Well, we did. And here's what we know. The Vikings are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. We can just say it. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. If I was betting on someone to win the Super Bowl, I'd bet on the Kansas City Chiefs or maybe even the Buffalo Bills who the Vikings beat this Sunday. But when you look at the league as a whole, we've talked about how it's a flat year for the league. We've talked about how certain teams are down compared to other years. We've talked about how there isn't really a huge contender in the NFC outside of the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Take all those things into account. The Vikings are right at the top of any list you want to make about power rankings or where this team kind of fits in. And because of that, inherently they're Super Bowl contenders. They are, they might be the second best team in the NFC. We're recording this on Sunday night. The Niners are currently losing to the Los Angeles Chargers. That's a team I would have said, yeah, that team's better than the Vikings, uh, the 49ers. Um, I don't know, not after this week. The, the, the Dallas Cowboys, they lost to the Green Bay Packers in pretty like stupid fashion. Um, Dallas should have won that game. That's another team that I would have said coming into this week, yeah, the Cowboys are better than the Vikings. I don't know anymore. Uh, actually, I do know. Like The Vikings are better than both of those teams. They just beat who many consider to be an odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, the Buffalo Bills, and they did it in incredible fashion showing tons of mental fortitude and just the ability of certain areas of the game to step up when, when one wasn't shining offense is struggling early on the defense comes, comes up big special teams, gives up a long return defense holds and, and, and make sure it doesn't, it, it's not a touchdown there. There was that complimentary football that, that we just talk about, or Kevin O'Connell talks about all the time. And you saw that play out over the course of 60-plus minutes on Sunday. So when you look at what the NFL has right now, who is a top whatever list in the power rankings, this win for the Vikings is going to go a long way in them garnering national respect. And while I would not bet on them if I was a betting man to win the Super Bowl, they certainly deserve to be in that conversation. It's kind of similar to how I wrote about Kirk Cousins last week. Is Kirk Cousins the MVP of the, of the NFL? Probably not. Does he deserve to be in the conversation? 100% yes. Same with the Vikings now. They did not have a signature win on their resume. Everyone said that 7-1 start was a fluke, was fool's gold, they, they are to be taken seriously now. This is a signature win. Josh Allen entered the game with the UCL sprain. Not sure if he was going to play. Not sure if he was going to be at 100%. He was at 100%. Josh Allen was really, really, really good on Sunday. Threw for 330. Rushed for 84. Two bad picks. We'll, we'll get more into that later. But it's, it, it's not like that elbow injury hampered Josh Allen. It's not like the Vikings beat up on a an injured quarterback that was just trying to gut it out for his team. No, the Vikings 
went blow for blow with the Buffalo Bills, who are widely regarded to be, like I said, Super Bowl favorites. And they did so with their MVP frontrunner, Josh Allen. Maybe not at 100%, but certainly playing outstanding football over the course of 60-plus minutes. Again, we'll get into the turnovers. Um, Josh Allen definitely helped the Vikings out. The Vikings also do get credit defensively for being opportunistic and forcing these turnovers that we're talking about. But all of those things combined, like this was a signature win. This was proof. Not that the Vikings are searching for validation nationally, like, like any team, like any good team, like any, any team, it doesn't matter if they're good, bad, or indifferent. Um, every team in professional sports is going to say, Oh, we don't care what the media says. We don't care what the, the, the narrative is outside of this locker room. So this win it wasn't necessarily big for the Vikings in the sense that now they're going to get all this national recognition. I truly believe they don't care about that. I truly believe that they're in this locker room and they're in this insulated area with their 53 other guys and the coaches and the practice squad. And I, I think they truly have always believed that they are Super Bowl contenders, but now I think people are going to start talking about them like Super Bowl contenders. There's some things that that still need to be cleaned up, certainly. Um, Kirk Cousins wasn't at his best early on again today. You'd like to see a game where he just kind of comes out and, and dominates from the onset. Um, you still need more out of pass catchers that are not named Justin Jefferson. I think that's going to continue to come into form as we approach the end of the regular season into the playoffs. You know, you, you look at some of these teams and, and coaches that the Vikings are going to theoretically have to go against. They're going to do everything in their power to take away Justin Jefferson. And while that might not be possible, as we saw today, 10 catches, 193 and a touchdown. The Vikings need others to step up around him when an opposing team throws everything but the kitchen sink at Justin Jefferson and says someone else beat us. The defense, like I talked about, opportunistic, left some things to be desired early, kind of let the Bills march all over them. And then after halftime, they were outstanding. So there's 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 all these things that we're talking about, like things that need to be cleaned up, things that need to be fixed. But I think this game was the first time you walk away saying like, wow, they are very, very good. You're not asking yourself, like, how good are they? Is this is this fake? Whatever. Like, no. After Sunday's game, anyone who doubted the Vikings before, I would find a hard time believing they're, they're doubting them right now. And anyone who's been all in on them from, from, from the onset, any Minnesota fan who, who's bought in from the beginning and started to believe, I think they're believing a heck of a lot right now. So we'll get more into the nitty gritty. Like I said, craziest game of the year. So we got to talk about it, but I wanted to get out in front of that. The Vikings are Super Bowl contenders. 100%. Yes. When we come back, we'll break out, you know, we'll break down the intricacies of the game. Certainly a lot to get into uh, more on that when inside purple and gold returns. Welcome back to inside purple and gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, flying solo today. Flew solo a couple of times the last couple of weeks, and I don't hate it. 
Um, like I like I said when I first did this, uh, it's kind of like getting my Colin Cowherd on, just talking and rambling and babbling um, until I decide I don't want to anymore. Um, but I appreciate if you're listening, if you're enjoying this, please give us a follow. You know, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast. Give us a follow. Add us to the rotation. We're going to have guests. We're probably going to get another co-host here soon, pretty soon. But, but I'm enjoying talking to you all. I hope you're enjoying listening to me. Um, and if, if you are, please, please add us to your rotation. Rate us, review us, um, all that good stuff. All right, back to the game. 33-30 to 30 victory in overtime for the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm going to try my best to take that game that was – something that made absolutely no sense and i'm going to try and contextualize it and and break it down in a way that that seems coherent so a natural starting point to me feels like when the vikings trail by 17 okay so the first half whatever vikings go right down the field on the opening drive of the game they score they're so good at opening drives they're they're so good at scripted drives um, and they, and they march right down the field. They score. Um, Justin Jefferson has a, has a huge start to the game and, and you're thinking, okay, maybe, uh, maybe the Vikings are just going to go blow for blow with, with the, with the bills. It, no, it doesn't prove to be that way. The bills immediately come back. They score, they score another touchdown. Kirk cousins throws an interception bills, kick a field goal by the, by the time halftime rolls around the Vikings, not, not only are they trailing by the time halftime rolls around because they're down 14, 24 to 10 at that point when when the clock strikes zeros and the teams go into the locker room for halftime. They're trailing 24-0. But more than that, Kirk Cousins looks out of sorts after looking so good on the opening drive of the game. He started to kind of crumble to the interior pressure. Um, through one interception that just kind of sailed KJ Osborne. And then shortly after, you know, the, when the second half begins, he throws another interception to Dane Jackson, where it just looks like he panics and he throws it to right to the defender. It's, it's just, it's a story we've seen time and time again with Kirk cousins, where he gets flustered, he gets pressured and he kind of crumbles. And like I've said, Time and time again over the past month, what Kirk Cousins deserves credit for is that when he has made these egregious blunders, something he's done throughout his career, he hasn't let it tilt him in a way where he's ineffective the entire game. Um, and I, I say that, like, I know I said I'd bring it up. I, I kind of use a starting point when the, when the Vikings were down 17, but we're just going to talk from the start of the second half on right 24 to 10 at halftime Vikings probably feeling pretty good about themselves independent of the scoreboard. Like I think the first half was a lot closer than the scoreboard would have indicated. The Vikings were down by two touchdowns at that point, uh, but they had played pretty well. They kind of grinded and battled with, with the Buffalo bills and they get the ball back to start the second half. And Kirk throws that interception that I'm talking about where he gets pressured and he just kind of chucks it to his left and there's no one there. And he thinks Justin Jefferson's probably going to be there on an out route, 
but instead Dane Jackson is just sitting there in his zone and it's an interception. And like I said, in the past, that would have been it. That would have been the ball game. That would have been it. Kirk Cousins throws that pick. He does pretty much nothing the rest of the game. And the Vikings look anemic on their way to a loss. Who knows how, you know, if this, if this was the Kirk Cousins of old, this could have been a blowout. But like I said, he deserves credit. He's, he's gotten over that hump this year as a quarterback, and he's found ways to bounce back from these injuries or these moments throughout a game, not injuries, but moments throughout a game where, where you look at him and you're like, okay, well, what are you doing there? Now he's moved forward and he's able to respond. He's able to show some resiliency. So that trend continues. The Vikings go down 17, like I said. That's late in the third quarter. So third quarter hasn't been kind of the Vikings at all this year. Defense actually played very, very well in the third quarter on Sunday. And when the Vikings needed a big play when Kirk Cousins was kind of floundering, kind of imploding into himself, even though we'll talk more about it later. He deserves credit for for the bounce back. It wasn't Kirk Cousins who started the rally. It was Dalvin Cook. It was Dalvin Cook's 81-yard touchdown run. Uh, The Vikings allow a field goal to the Bills to go down 17. The Vikings get the ball back with about 150 left in the third. First play from scrimmage, Dalvin Cook takes it 81 yards to the house, 10-point game. That sparked everything. From there on, it was like, okay, it's a two-score game. The Vikings have been in this position before. They've shown the ability to come back in the fourth quarter. And I think that touchdown run kind of helped the Vikings kind of bring some sort of belief back. Um, The Vikings ended up intercepting Josh Allen on the ensuing drive. The drive itself took darn near six minutes off the clock. Um, but the Vikings bend don't break kind of defensive style finally came to fruition again after kind of struggling throughout the first half. They definitely bent when when Josh Allen marched right down the field on that 13-play drive, um, but they didn't break. They intercepted him in the end zone, stopped Buffalo from even throwing or for even getting any points. Uh, no, no field goal, kept it a 10-point game um, on fourth and two. Sean McDermott decides to go for it after marching all the way down the field with 10 minutes left in the fourth. Um, Not only did the Bills not get it, Patrick Peterson intercepts the pass in the end zone. And that's when the game kind of went wild. From there on out, it it was just kind of a blur. I I think you look at this game and everything that kind of went into this game at that point. The Vikings get the ball back on that interception and they march down the field kind of a healthy dose of there's a lot of KJ Osborne today, um, but Kirk cousins converts a big third down. He converts a big fourth down. Again, this is down 10 points as the fourth quarter is ticking away. So the Vikings need a score on this drive. Um, Like he spreads the ball around. Like I said, KJ Osborne gets a lot of the targets and receptions, TJ Hawkinson had a big fourth down conversion. Adam Thielen had a big 21-yard reception. Um, The Vikings get all the way down. Kirk Cousins scrambles, 
picks up the first down, gets down to the Buffalo three, and CJ Ham punches it in. Greg Joseph misses the extra point there with, with about four minutes left in the game. So the Vikings stood it down three for a potential game tying field goal, now down four. The Bills go three and out on the next possession, and the Vikings get the ball back. Like less than a minute runs off the clock, or, or a little more than a minute runs off the clock for, for this Bills possession. And the Vikings get the ball back, trailing by four. At that point, it's 27 to 23 with 326 left in the game. They get the ball at their own 24-yard line, needing to go the length of the field, needing a touchdown because Greg Joseph missed that extra point. And let's just fast forward to the biggest play of the game. The, the play that everyone's talking about, the play that if you've made it 20 minutes into this podcast, you're wondering why I haven't spoken about it yet. It's because I wanted to give it its proper shine. Fourth and 18. Like I said, it's the ball game. The Vikings are down four. If if they don't convert the fourth and 18, the game is most likely over. Um, I think the Vikings had a couple of timeouts at that point, um, but the two-minute warning had just hit. Um, if, if they don't pick up the first down, just let's call the game over. Fourth and 18 from their own 27. Kirk Cousins drops back to pass, and credit to him because, like I said, in the past, he, he he's unwilling to to take shots downfield when when the game isn't going his way. He's unable to kind of shift his brain from, okay, let's rinse that play and we got to move on to the next one. He did that fourth and eighteen from their own twenty seven. Chucked the ball down the deep right side of the f- sideline. Justin Jefferson's there with a Buffalo Bills defender draped all over him, and Justin. Jefferson puts his arm up in the air and plucks the ball out of the heavens and comes down with it in a play that I've watched 10, 15 times. And it still does not make sense to me how Justin Jefferson was able to corral this ball one handed with a defender draped all over him. And Justin Jefferson was not only able to haul it in, but make sure the ball did not touch the ground at any point. Not at no point in the reception did did the other hand come for the ball for Justin Jefferson. All of it was done one-handed with a defender draped on his back. Everyone remembers the Odell Beckham catch that basically made him famous. This was that with someone on his back. It was the cat the best catch I've ever seen in my entire life. And it came at such a consequential moment. Fourth and 18 from the 27. Like I said, if they don't get that, the game is over. Instead, Justin Jefferson hauls in, which 100% will be the catch of the year. I don't see what's what's going to pass that. He hauls that in, and all of then all of a sudden, the, the, the Vikings have new life. They go from fourth and 18 at their own 27 to first and 10 at the Bills 41 because Justin Jefferson went superhuman for a few seconds. From there, they they march all the way back down the field. From the 41, Kirk Cousins throws to Adam Thielen for nine yards. Unnecessary roughness on the Bills. Bumps the Vikings all the way up to the Bills 17. Kirk Cousins throws to Justin Jefferson for 14 yards. That's all the way down to the Bills' three-yard line. Kirk Cousins actually gets sacked on 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 the ensuing play. 
incomplete on the next play after that, and then throws what looks to be a touchdown to Justin Jefferson. And you're thinking, okay, less than a minute to go. The Vikings won the game. Officials go back and review the play. Justin Jefferson was down at the one-yard line. So the the Vikings are facing a fourth and goal with 57 sec, 56 seconds left in the game, trailing 27 to 23. You follow? Down by four points. They're at a fourth and goal situation from the one-inch line because Buffalo also got called for an offside on the on the the play. They QB sneak up the middle. Kirk Cousins comes up short. 50 seconds left in the game. The Vikings turn the ball over on downs. They're down by four. You're thinking, all right, that was it. Great game for the Vikings. They at least proved that they were some sort of a contender, but they came up short because they came up short of the end zone on fourth and goal. And they're going to lose by four. It was 27 to 23 at that point. I even fired off a a tweet at that point. What a game. We know the Vikings are a very good football team. We no longer have to question that. That was a concession tweet. The game is over. The Bills are going to win. The Vikings are going to drop to 7-2. and And people are going to question them. But I think at that point, they had done enough to prove that they are to be taken seriously. Probably silly of me to tweet that because on the very next play, again, the Vikings failed to convert from the one-inch line, basically. Let's call it that. You could not have put the football any closer um, without putting it on the actual goal line, without breaking the plane of the goal line. So when they don't get that fourth down conversion, Buffalo takes over at the one-inch line having to go 99 yards, whatever, the other way. They just want to kill the clock, but they can't take a knee because if you take a knee, it's a safety. Um, there was some talk online that the Bills should have taken a safety in this moment, which I think is wholly ridiculous. The Bills were down by the Bills were up by four. If they take a safety with one minute left in the game, they then have to kick the ball back to the Vikings, only leading by two, where then you can lose with a field goal. They don't take the safety. They QB sneak just trying to gain any sort of yards with their 6'5", 235-pound quarterback who is an eight more alien than human, thinking, we'll QB sneak it up the middle, we'll give ourselves some breathing room, and then after that we'll run the clock dry. It doesn't work like that. Instead, Josh Allen fumbles the snap at the one-inch line. He, he doesn't corral it. Never at once it was in his hands in full possession. And Eric Kendrick falls on the ball in the end zone. I thought it was a safety upon first glance because of how chaotic it was. Looked like the Vikings got a good push. Um, Josh Allen never broke the, never never got out of the end zone and it looked like it was going to be a safety. You look deeper and the Vikings are on the football in the end zone. Eric Kendricks walks away with the football in the end zone. It's a touchdown. The Vikings lead 30 to seven. Wild, crazy, never seen anything like that in my life. But of course, they leave too much time for Josh Allen. He goes right down the field again, and they kick a field goal and send it to overtime, where the Vikings ultimately prevail. In overtime, Kirk Cousins throws one more dime to 
to, to Justin Jefferson. Um, again, I can't, I can't say enough about Kirk Cousins. He was so, so good when the Vikings needed him to be like, like he has been all season. And he was again in overtime. The Vikings won the toss. A couple of Dalvin Cook runs. Kirk Cousins passed to Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins comes up big on third down, kind of. It's it's more of a actually he never faced a third down. The the the, the play I'm talking about is second and twenty two. Vikings get bailed out by an you know by a pass interference penalty on the Bills. I say bailed out because they were in a unfavorable situation. It was pass interference. Um, then they get all the way to the goal line. Thanks to a Kirk Cousins dime to Justin Jefferson for 24 yards. And they don't score. They get sacked. They kick a field goal. They're up 33 to 30 at that point, which spoiler alert was the final score. But the Bills get the ball back. If they score a touchdown, they win. If they kick a field goal, they tie. And maybe the game ends in a tie. They get all the way down to the to the Vikings 20-yard line in the red zone, in position to at least kick a field goal to tie the game. And Josh Allen throws and want his second interception of the game. To Patrick Peterson in the end zone. Peterson takes the ball out, slides about at the seven-yard line, and the Vikings win. It's a walk-off interception for Patrick Peterson. The Vikings win what I will consider to be the craziest regular season game I've ever seen in my life. And I hope that breakdown made some semblance of sense because the game itself did not. I will have to go back and rewatch it to kind of fully feel the roller coaster that was this game. But when we come back, we'll break down kind of the three craziest moments of the game kind of at more like in more depth, you know, ad nauseum. Um, I gave you the play by play. I did my best to kind of, contextualize the game as a whole um in our final segment we'll break down you know the three craziest plays how they happened what they mean um and then we'll push forward and into next week where the eight and one vikings will host the dallas cowboys um we'll, we'll more on everything like that when we come back welcome back to inside purple and gold i'm dane mizutani breaking down the vikings 33 to 30 overtime victory over the buffalo bills craziest game i've seen in quite some time. Actually, the only crazier game that comes to mind right away is the Minneapolis Miracle, where Case Keenum found Stephon Diggs up the right sideline in the playoffs, and Stephon Diggs took it to the house for what still lives as the greatest moment that U.S. Bank Stadium has ever seen. Um, new stadium. So, but yes, it that game comes to mind. The Chiefs Bills epic last year in the playoffs where I think Patrick Mahomes had like 13 seconds left to drive the length of the field and he did it and the Chiefs won um, after just this complete slugfest back and forth game that game comes to mind but those games are both playoff games we're talking regular season I've never seen anything like what we just saw on Sunday so I wanted to break down the three moments that kind of stood out to me above the rest I talked to at length about all of you know, what happened in the game, how we kind of arrived at that 33 to 30 overtime victory. 
but I may, wanted to give a little bit more credence to just how wild this game was. So let's let's go back. Let's talk about first the craziest moment to me. We're just going to go in in, in chronological or not chronological, but ranked order one through three. I got to talk about number one first um, because I can't get it out of my head. It's the Justin Jefferson catch. I, I know that there were other plays that meant more and obviously the Josh Allen fumble and the fumble recovery in the end zone. But like, if we're just talking about like sheer awe, like when I watched the play, I was awestruck by what happened. It was the Justin Jefferson 33 yard catch up the right sideline on fourth and 18. It just doesn't make sense. You have to go rewatch that play over and over again for it to even start to make sense. It was not a 33-yard catch. It was a 32-yard catch. But just watching Justin Jefferson contort his body in a way that even allowed him to reach up and grab the ball is like, okay, if you did that in a field by yourself and you still managed to come down with that and catch the ball, I'd be like, wow, that was an incredible catch. The fact that he did it... (laughs) At 4th and 18, with the game on the line, with a defender draped around his back, it's the greatest catch I've ever seen. It really is. I don't... The Odell Beckham catch at the goal line that everyone knows and talks about gets all the play as, like, the catch, the greatest catch ever. Um, There's other catches that obviously had bigger implications, you know, the immaculate reception, the Minneapolis miracle, but the David Tyree catch helmet catch in, in the Super Bowl, like all those were incredible in their own right and deserve to be talked about, but they were incredible because of kind of the, what was on the line in those moments. If we're just talking about sheer difficulty, like Justin Jefferson's catch, I don't know how anyone in the history of the world moving forward will make a catch that is more difficult than that one. Just go back and watch it. Um, I can't really even talk about it that much more because it's like, it doesn't translate to me speaking about it and showing how I, I can't, I cannot speak to how incredible of a catch it was. But that was the moment that stood out above the rest for me. When I think back to this game, I will think about that Justin Jefferson catch. And thank God the Vikings won because a 33-30 to victory means that catch can be kind of associated with a win. If it was associated with a loss, you'd still think about it as a great catch, but you'd be like, they lost that game. Um, Now when you kind of reference that in, in in your mental, you can say that was a impossible catch that he made possible and it helped the Vikings win a football game. That's number one for me. That was the craziest thing to happen in this game. Number two is, is Josh Allen fumbling at the one yard line, like impossible. The Vikings lost the game. Everyone was like, all right, it was 27, 23. They turned the ball over. Buffalo essentially just has to kill the clock and the game is over. The, the Bills official Twitter account even tweeted, like, fourth down stop, game over. Um, freezing cold takes, had some fun with that. But 
the fact that Josh Allen could not get the center to quarterback exchange in his hands was one thing. The fact that the ball ended up in their own end zone with a opposing player, a Vikings player, Eric Kendricks on top of that football is a completely different thing. If it's a fumble forward and Josh Allen bobbles the snap, corrals it, gets down at the one yard line and, and they try and do it again. That would have been like, wow, that was, that was a close one. If even if he fumbles it into the end zone, covers it up, the, the bills take a safety on the play and the Vikings then get the ball back down to with an opportunity to kick a field goal to win the game. That's like, would have been an unfortunate turn of events for the bills, but something they probably would have lived with knowing the alternative was Eric Kendricks, literally recovering a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown that gave the Vikings a three point lead. Um, it, it's something where the game was over and then it wasn't the Vikings went from being seven and two, having just fought tooth and nail with, the Buffalo Bills and lost by four. They went from that to up three and on the verge of eight and one. Obviously the game got into overtime and the Vikings prevailed, but that swing in that moment was something I will also never forget. Um, It is part of this whole thing that was this incredible game that I think a lot of people are going to stick with. It's going to stick with a lot of people for a long, long, long time. Last thing that stands out to me is just Josh Allen's interception at, at the end of the game. Um, Josh Allen has had a propensity early in his career, or he had a propensity early in his career as a gunslinger that was unafraid to take risks. And a lot of times that came back to bite him last year, everything kind of came together and he took the leap from great to elite and avoided some of these costly mistakes. You've seen it now in like, three or four straight weeks where Josh Allen and these risks that he's taking are going the other way and proving to be detrimental for the bills. Hard to believe they're six and three. They're actually third in the AFC West right now, which is crazy to think about for a team that was supposed to be the Super Bowl favorites. But Josh Allen's interception, like that's number three for me, like talking about things that I'm going to remember about this game largely because it was the final play of the game, largely because it was a walk-off interception for Patrick Peterson. But like just the decision to throw the ball is beyond me. Um, He had another interception earlier in the game where it's kind of hard to blame him for this one because Sean McDermott decided to go for it on fourth down, essentially saying like, we're going to either score a touchdown or we're going to lose the ball. So Josh, Allen bought time, rolled to his right, threw it in the end zone, picked off by Patrick Peterson, kind of a premonition of sorts. But it was like defensible because what else is Josh Allen supposed to do there? Like it's fourth down. You decided to go for it rather than take the points. Like he's just trying to make you look good there. The one at the end of the game though, in overtime, man, the bills are losing by three and they're at the 20 yard line with Tyler Bass, a very, very good kicker more than capable of tying the game at that point. It's second and 10 from the 20-yard line. If it's not there, if, if it's not there in the end zone, don't throw it. Throw it out of the back of the end zone. Throw it into the ground. Live to see another day. 
instead Josh Allen just rifles it to Gabe Davis, who is well covered, and Patrick Peterson cuts over the top of it, intercepts it, and the game is over. So that's going to stick with me too. Just like the game could have been tied, and then all of a sudden it was done. So those are the three. Justin Jefferson's incredible catch that I say will be the catch of the year. I just don't see anything rivaling it. That was one. Number two, Josh Allen fumbling at the goal line. Eric Hendricks falling on top of it for a touchdown. Just a massive swing. That's number two. And number three, Josh Allen throwing a pick, a walk-off interception. That's number three. Those three things, if you had 30 seconds to talk about this game, I think you could talk about those three plays, and it would kind of tell everything that needed to be told. Um, But luckily for you, I just talked for 40 minutes about this game. Um, It was crazy. It's something I don't know if we'll see a game like this again this year. I I highly doubt we will. Um, But at the end of the day, the Vikings take a 33-30 to overtime win over the Bills. They are 8-1. and They are running away with the NFC North as we speak. And damn it, they are Super Bowl contenders, like I said. Um, It sounds weird to say when you use the Vikings and Super Bowl contenders in the same sentence because of all the heartbreak that has kind of followed them around all these years. But they're an eight and one football team that continues to win games in the fashion that elite football teams win games. And they're doing that time and time and time again. So who are we to say they're not elite? The Vikings are Super Bowl contenders. They are eight and one. They just polished off a 33-30 victory over the Buffalo Bills. That is all we have for tonight's episode. It's 10 o'clock. This thing will get up, and you will listen to it either tonight, late into the hours, or tomorrow when you're on your way to work um, to just digest what was a crazy game. So thank you for joining me on this one. We'll be back Tuesday to kind of break down what all of this means. Then we'll be back Thursday to talk about Dallas and then that game and another huge game for, for the NFC standings. Um, All of that and more when we return later this week, in the meantime, get some rest, pop in the the podcast, put it in the headphones, fall asleep to it, wake up to it for all we care. Just give it a listen because this game deserves to be spoken about, listened to um, throughout the rest of this week, at least Um, craziest game I've ever seen. That's all I got. I'm Dane Mizutani. Signing off for Inside and Purple and Gold. We'll be back later this week with more.